Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to episode three of The Unmade Bed. <laughs> we might edit Bree burping out anyway. My name's Adrian and that's Bree. Say hello, Bree. Hello, Bree. Um, this is normally meant to be a weekly or fortnightly podcast. Um, we're now three weeks since the last one um, and... For one of the last two Friday nights when we usually record, unfortunately things things were a bit sad in our house. We had to um, had to put our beloved Beagle Stevie to sleep two Fridays ago, um, and it all came on very suddenly. Um, in hindsight, well, we knew that she was sick. She well, not sick. We she had. A persistent cough, which unfortunately um, ended up in her hyperventilating. We had to take her to the emergency vet. They did an x-ray and what they found in her lungs wasn't good. So they said the kindest thing to do was to put her to sleep. So we did. um, And it sucked. And it still sucks. Um, we did, however, um, we both decided very quickly that the house needed some activity in it. It was just eerily quiet without her. So, um, a, uh, a lady in the neighborhood, uh, was looking to rehome her two cats due to her, um, living situation, um, changing and... As a result, we are now cat parents. We've uh, we've got uh, two cats. One is a boy cat. His name is Waldo. How old is Waldo? Waldo's nearly three. Waldo's nearly three. And a female cat who, when she came to us, was named Pendles. Long story short... Um, um, Pendles had her name changed because she was named after the uh, former captain of Collingwood, Scott Pendlebury, and it just didn't fit. So, somewhat in honour of Stevie the dog, who was named after Stevie Nicks, we've renamed Pendles to Chrissy after Christine McVie, the other female half of Fleetwood Mac. And um, uh, it's working so far. Not that cats listen to you when you tell them to do anything, but. Um, um, yeah, the first uh, first day or so, they basically hid under a bed and didn't want to come out, but um, um, it didn't take them long to warm up to us, did it? No, they, they enjoy a nice cuddle and a nice scratch and, uh, and a nice game with a laser pointer. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so far, so good. That's uh, what we'll say. It's a new experience for me. I've never owned a cat before. But having said that, I'd never owned a dog before, Stevie. So um, life's always full of new experiences. Um, We're actually going to start with uh, music this week because Bree really wants to talk about um, the phenomenon that has occurred over the past couple of weeks with... um, a song which is 
37 years old, now spending two weeks on top of the Aria singles chart. I talk of Running Up That Hill, A Deal With God, the song by Kate Bush from 1985, which has now spent two weeks at number one here in Australia due to it being used, uh, featured in, in the first episode of the new series of Stranger Things. Not quite the first episode, but within Stranger Things series four. Okay, so they've just used it in a particular episode, or they've used it. It's and see, this is this is where Adrian really needs to watch some more pop culture um, series, but <clears throat> it's it's used uh, in a couple. It's so the the story arc is that where it's used is of one particular character who is a bit of a loner in the eighties and. Uh, part of her character is that she listens to Kate Bush on her, you know, Walkman mm-hmm. during during the the course of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so you you start you hear Kate Bush first, I think in maybe episode two or three of the series mm-hmm. relating to her, mm-hmm. but then it also has a very pivotal moment during the show mm-hmm. where um, so the the character who is Who's listening to the song? Is I don't want to. Spoiler alert! It's not really. I don't want to go too into into it too much, but um, she's a very pivotal character in the show. She's haunted by. Look, Stranger Things. I know. I know. Series four is is not even very loosely following the plot of um, Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Okay. Where there's a, a a big baddie who was who was sort of uh, haunting their dreams, right? Um, to an extent, it's it's a little different, but let's let's for, you know, yeah, okay. sake, But let's say that's kind of the and and they make no apologies for following this the plot. That's it's yes, it's, it's a homage. It's not. It's not yes, you know, right. basically to it. So it's a homage to Nightmare on Elm Street, and she's trapped in and. Basically, Kate Bush's song is what gets her out of of her um, okay. nightmare. Hmm. So it's it's very poignant. It's very it's very Kate Bush. Yep. Um, Kate Bush, you know, Kate Bush, from what I understand, does not approve her songs to be used in anything lightly. No. She was already a fan of Stranger Things before they asked, "Could we use your song mm. in one of the episodes?" Mm-hmm. You know, in in the series. And she said, "Sure." And part of this, the, uh, the the success of the song is the way that they've used it in the show. Right. So. Mhm. Okay. And the other part is about how awesome Kate Bush is in general. So. Yes, it's uh, it's helping. If anything that helps uh, the youth of today discover Kate Bush is is fine by us now. You asked me to do a little bit of homework, basically, um, how did Running Up That Hill go when it was first released in Australia? So I I did my homework before dinner. The song was originally released in the UK on the 5th of August in 1985. It didn't appear on the Australian chart until the week of 13 October 1985, where it debuted at 21. It then went on to peak at number six in the week of the 3rd of November, 1985. Correct. You know this. I, yes, I was just, I was testing your knowledge. Well, I looked it up. Yes, I know you looked it up, yeah, as a Kate Bush fan. And did you also know that 
the album from which which the song comes also uh, sorry not the song from which the album comes but Kate Bush's highest album which was the kick inside mm-hmm. um, peaked at number three I didn't bother to check the kick inside um, so while we're trying to outdo each other on pop knowledge do you know the songs that were above Kate Bush in the week that she peaked at number six in the week that she peaked so, in other words, she she got to number six. So, in getting to number six, there were songs above her, and the question being, do you know any of the songs that were above her? Basically, the songs that stopped her from going to number one, if you like. Okay, well, surely one of them must have been Babushka. No, in the week of... Oh, sorry, in the week of... The week of the 3rd of November, 1985. 1985. No, you... you... Or was Wuthering Heights? Wuthering Heights was a hit in 1978. Why would it have been a hit in 1985? So the songs that were above it, directly above it, number five in the week of the 3rd of November, 1985, was Aha, Take On Me. Oh, okay, sorry, you were talking about other artists. Other artists, yes. Right, okay. Yep, so... Take On Me was on its way towards number one. It was on an upwards trajectory. Um, also in there, number four, Dire Straits, Money For Nothing. Yeah. So you already go, well, okay, there's two bona fide classics that are yeah. above it, so you can't really do much. Uh, number three was Stevie Wonder, Part-Time Lover. Okay, not one of Stevie Wonder's most memorable, memorable songs, yes. but it yeah, was a hit yeah, none the same. Number two, and they've made fun of this song on an episode of Family Guy where I think Peter called it the gayest music video ever. Uh, Mick Jagger, David Bowie, Dancing in the Streets was at number two. Yeah. Uh, following from Live Aid. The number one song in the week that Kate Bush made it to number six with Running Up That Hill, the number one song was UB40 and Chrissy Hind with I Got You, Babe. Right. So there you go. Terrific. Fucking hate UB40, but there you go. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> Bray already had a predisposed hatred of UB40. Yeah. Mm. Way, way to take a good song and turn it into shit. Mm. Uh, was there anything else on the, the Kate Bush phenomena that you needed to get off your chest? Well, look, as a, as a Kate Bush fan, I, um, my, my introduction to Kate Bush was through the song Wuthering Heights. Which sort of was for a lot of people, and to explain why, you've got to go back to, I guess, our collective childhood, but when we were, and we, and probably many of you listening, when we were kids, the ABC, uh, when they used to have time to fill in between shows in what's called the bumpers, they would often play music videos. And one of the music videos that was on uh, rotation for the ABC in the early 1980s was the video, or one of the videos, for Wuthering Heights. In particular, the one which, the only way to describe it is the end of the video, she's standing, swaying and waving in the field, and she gradually gets further away as the... Yeah, well, that's the, that's the penultimate version of the, the yeah. Wuthering Heights video. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean... I guess Wuthering Heights is uh, Wuthering Heights is one of my favourite books of all time. Mm-hmm. So somewhat my introduction to Kate Bush um, 
although I probably heard the song before I read the book, mm. was through the book. Mm-hmm. Because mm. it was just sort of, you know, you know, it's, it's one of my favourite books and there's a song about it and mm. didn't really have the internet back then. Mm-hmm. But, um, somehow I'd, I'd, I'd heard of it. So mm. it's, uh, yeah. Uh, kind of, and, you know, Kate Bush not only ignited my love of Kate Bush, but my general love of female vocals in, in general has mm. been my my musical persuasion. Mm. I've got two very distinct musical persuasions, which is um, one of which is heavy metal music, mm-hmm. which is very non-female, well, mostly very non-female vocal oriented. Mm-hmm. And my other love is for female vocals, mm-hmm. which includes you know, the likes of Kate Bush and Mariah Carey and mm. Kelly Clarkson. And mm. I don't know who, I'm not going to bore everybody okay. with the whole list, mm-hmm. but a female vocalist who are very good at their job. Yeah. And Kate Bush was one of the first ones of, mm. of that, you know, mm. reminiscent. Well, Tori Amos is probably the, mm-hmm. kind of the logical follow-on from Kate Bush in, mm. in musical style. Mm. But, uh, yeah, but the, the, the sort of, I read Wuthering Heights probably when I was in year nine or year ten mm. or, or something like that. Mm. It's always been one of my mm. one of my favourite books of all time. Mm. So it sort of mm. led on to that. Yeah, um, look, if, you, if you're if you someone who's new to Kate Bush, if you're just discovering it for the first time, it's interesting to read about um, how she came to get involved in music, the fact that she was signed at a very young age, when I say very young age, at about the age of 14, she was signed to a developmental deal, which basically meant that the record company gave her a couple of years to, for want of a better explanation, sort her shit out. So she wasn't pressured to come up with an album straight away, which is just as well because it took her the better part of four years to um, release that uh, that first album. Um, and look, when you can uh, convince one of the members of Pink Floyd to provide you with the guitar on your debut single, well, you know, she, she, yeah. she had influential... Uh, she had influential uh, people in her corner. Dave Gilmore from Pink Floyd was was a mentor. But before Dave Gilmore became a mentor, she had she had recorded a huge number. Like it was, mm. I can't remember the number. It was a huge number of demos for mm. someone who was fourteen. So mm. She had you know like you know tens of you know songs that that she'd recorded, and it was Dave Gilmore who, who gave her the, the money and. The, mm. And, and gave her some more focus to go, oh, hang on, these are, this is probably where you should concentrate on and mm. record some new demos that mm. ultimately got her that, that record deal. And, you know, mm. how, how often, well, these days especially, do you, do you see a record label going, oh, hang on, we've got a real talent here, but let's not try and make money straight away. Let's, uh, let's actually put an investment in and and get this young person to a point where they're going to be able to not only release something that's going to make the label money, but, and, and I'm sure it was a consideration to, to actually let that young person be able to cope with the, the, the strains of being mm. young and famous. Mm. Oh, well, basically the label, the, the major labels don't, just don't do that anymore. No, you look at how, you know, 
how young people are now that have been signed up for being mm. major major record deals. And mm. Sometimes you wonder, well, you know, is it really in their best interest to be? Yeah, well, I mean, the the irony being that the more I guess some of the more uh, people that have sort of come out of nowhere, you know, being discovered on on YouTube or or Spotify or whatever, they're the ones that have, in a way have had the opportunity to develop their music on their own terms. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you look at someone like Billie Eilish, who's, you know, shot to fame when she was about 15 or, mm. or, or thereabouts, they, they kind of, it's almost sort of lucky that she managed to be someone who's got enough of a head on her shoulders to, to not let it. Mm. basically derail her entire life and mm. in some ways sort of kind of fed into her sort of more recent work. But mm. I guess I guess young people these days, if, if you're going to be successful, they've, they've already got to have a certain work ethic about them, but although it's just not going to work out anyway. I mean, like the Kid Leroy being a, a prime example of that is, mm. you know, Put in hard work to get where he is, and then just sort of bob up and release a couple of songs, and he's still doing that. Mm, 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 mm. 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 Um, anything else you need to add on the Kate Bush front, apart from yay Kate Bush? Oh, yay Kate Bush. Yay Kate. Also, also yay Emily Bronte. So we can take a literary turn. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Emily Bronte being. Did you know that Emily Bronte died when she was only 30 years old? I did not know that. Emily Bronte, she died of tuberculosis when she was only 30, hence why Wuthering Heights is basically her only you know, major mm. major publication. And coming from a family who, you know, her sisters also released books at mm -hmm. the same time. Her, mm. uh, her, you know, her sister was... Um, I think Emily died only a year after Wuthering Heights was originally released, which was originally released under a male pen name, which kind of shows you the time that yeah that that they were in. Mm. So, uh, and yet it's kind of seen as one of the the, the, the ultimate uh, <laughs> pieces of chick chick lit. It's hard to call it a romance novel because it's. It is a romance novel, but it's very much Heathcliff was, was always an anti-hero. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've always been drawn to the character of Heathcliff. Probably even uh, exacerbated when we got married because you're kind of my Heathcliff. Oh, okay. Now this is getting... Okay. How, how am I your Heathcliff? Well, Heathcliff is a... Uh, Cantankerous sort of uh, uh, anti-gentleman kind of. Oh, this is going down a terrific path. No, 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 no. Carry on. I'm, I'm keen to see where this goes. Well, I mean, <laughs> the character of Heathcliff is he's 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 not a he's not a typical you know kind of romantic. Uh, figure is uh -huh. the love between he and he and Ka I mean you know w w during the book they're both married to other people right so but 
somehow their their love for each other sort of maintains its itself mm-hmm. um, throughout. And Heathcliff is not a man that you would put up and say, "Oh, he's he's a he's a man that you should love." He's a he's not he's he's can tend to be cruel. He, I mean, he's roaming around the bloody moors of England, digging up corpses. So, I mean. <laughs> Oh no! Keep going. I'm I'm fascinated to, to to see how I'm exactly like Heathcliff. I'm not saying you're exactly like. <laughs> there's there's uh, not exactly like Heathcliff, but um, <laughs> it's uh, more the uh, the anti-romantic character that oh, I'm digging myself a really big hole. You yeah well. <laughs> You look, you you this far down. You might as well keep going to the ultimate conclusion, and then just hope that I'd throw you a rope. Well, it's you know, I guess the the ultimate point of Wuthering Heights is that Kathy still loves him despite his flaws. So, okay, yeah, yeah. So we went through a couple of minutes of insults and then you ultimately got to the point which was that he's a flawed character but she loves him anyway. Yes. Okay. In well, look, I can see I can see how you could compare me to Heathcliff in, in that regard. Um, digging up corpses on the moors is a new angle. I hadn't <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Um, as a side hobby. Um uh, you know, maybe that's a career career change for me going into. No, it'd be far too much physical labour for you, but. Uh... Oh well. And <laughs> yeah, there we go with the. Uh... Yep, it's uh, <laughs> it's a shit can your husband Friday right here on the unmade bed. Yeah. Right. But really, that 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 is the ultimate. Uh, I guess the, the ultimate pull of the, the novel is that 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 love knows no bounds. So she published the book herself, is that what you're saying? No, I, I mean, I think it was really an option at that time to publish the book yourself, yeah. which hence why the use of a pen Ma- name, yeah. which I can't recall quite at the moment, but um, it was a kind of a male pen name. That, so the publisher obviously thought the book was good enough mm-hmm. to publish, mm. but they couldn't pretend that a chick wrote it. Mm. And uh, hence, and it was... I imagine that it was pretty much after she died that they thought, oh, maybe we can actually say that she wrote it and that she tragically didn't show demise. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and may have been something to do with her sisters also publishing, you know, the writing and publishing successful works that, mm. that lent the, the cachet to the Bronte name. Mm. Mm. Tuberculosis being very much like the COVID of its time. Yeah. Yes. And uh, what is it that uh, what is it that uh, stops tuberculosis from being widely contagious today? A vaccine. Yep. Yep. A vaccine, um, you know, uh, social distancing, mm-hmm. people, other people with tuberculosis, uh, mm. all the exact same thing. Any, any re- respiratory illness. Yeah. But yeah, yeah the, the vaccine was really the, the number one thing that mm. stopped tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. From, uh, being, I mean, it was already a pretty bad disease, but mm. Mm. it eventually uh, made it so. And uh, 
and I guess there's enough anti-vaxxers out there who have kept tuberculosis alive over the years. Yes. Not maybe not anti-vaxxers, maybe overstretching it a bit, but uh, through poorer areas of the, the world, where yeah. they did not have access to the vaccine. Mm. Tuberculosis has lived. Mm. Mm. I always find it fascinating that it took them so long to figure out that the cure for cholera was not shitting in the water that you drink. Yeah. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? I mean, it, it just the fact that it took it, it took the human race so long to put two and two together and go, you know what, maybe the fact that we're shitting next to our drinking water is making people sick. We ought to have a look at that. Like... You know, you look at it now and go, guys, really? But, um, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's occupied about 26 minutes of uh, talking time, which is probably enough for this week, unless you've got something you'd like to add. No, I think we can uh, hold on to anything for the, the, for the uh, next episode. All right. Well, in the next episode, we can get a little bit more political and talk about Senate results, which are not quite finalised yet. So uh, yeah, hopefully they will be by the next episode. We will find. We'll just do a very quick uh, ninety-second speed review of the new Jurassic Park, which Bree has uh, been to see in ninety seconds. Dinosaurs. Right. <laughs> is it worth it? Is it is it worth the price of admission? Jeff Goldblum is generally worth the price of admission to whatever movie he's in. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll uh, put that out there. Um, if you hadn't seen the original Jurassic Park... If you hadn't seen the original Jurassic Park, you'd probably think the movie's a bit balls because yep. it really is uh, uh, somewhat of a homage to the okay. to the original Jurassic Park. It's, it's paying a bit of fan service to um, fans of the original... Okay, so if you uh, if you're going to go and see uh, the new Jurassic Park, probably should uh, brush up on the old one if you haven't seen it. Yeah, if you're under ten years old, there's still enough dinosaurs in there to keep anyone interested. But uh, mm. if you're an adult, mm. uh, probably should be a general fan of of Jurassic Jurassic Park, um, which is you know, Jurassic Park's probably one of my well, at least top ten movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not been a huge fan of the Jurassic World movies in general, mostly because I fucking hate Chris Pratt and I think he's a complete douche who ruined all the Garden of the Galaxy movies, but moving right along. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a good movie. Don't believe all of the negative reviews about it from people who just butter that it doesn't meet their expectations. It's perfectly fine. It's not perfect. It's enjoyable to watch if you're a fan of the original Jurassic Park, and it would be enjoyable to watch if you're a fan of dinosaurs. There's some pretty cool dinosaur sequences in there. So, okay. Well, on that note, that might just about wrap it up for this week's episode of the Unmade Bed. Uh, you can say good night, Bray. Good night, Bray. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, we promise we'll try and be a bit more timely with the next episode of The Unmade Bed. Until then, take it easy and we'll catch you soon.